Hi, I'm Pete Miller, President and CEO of the Institutes. We're a global not-for-profit whose mission is to educate, elevate, and connect the people focused on risk management and insurance. You're listening to Predict and Prevent, a podcast that explores how technology and resiliency can prevent losses before they occur. In each episode, we learn about innovative solutions and hear from leading experts on how they are making these approaches a reality today. It goes without saying that technology has become all pervasive in our society. Every industry from healthcare to finance has been forced to adapt to the ever-evolving world of tech, lest they get left behind in the dust. And insurance is no exception. Over the last 10 years, InsureTech has expanded into all aspects of the insurance ecosystem, from underwriting and distribution to claims and customer experience. Without a doubt, many of these new tools are significantly improving the traditional process of risk transfer, detect, and repair. But when it comes to predict and prevent, the technology landscape is still evolving. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be discussing two different approaches for leveraging technology to predict and prevent losses. First, I'll speak with Bob Marshall, the CEO and co-founder of Whisker Labs, a company that develops advanced technologies to prevent home fires and monitor the electric utility grip. Bob is also the co-inventor of Ting, an innovative device being deployed to millions of U.S. homes that's proven to prevent 80% of home electrical fires. Next, I'll sit down with Dave Tobias, the co-founder and COO of BetterView, a property intelligence platform that is mostly used by underwriters for scoring various property risks. Dave is passionate about the predict and prevent mission and shares great insights into how a platform like BetterView can also be used to avoid losses entirely. Along with my guests, we'll take a closer look at the landscape of technological innovations being developed and applied to some of the biggest risk challenges we face today along with the goal of improving how we predict and prevent losses in the future. I hope you'll enjoy the episode and learn something new from the discussion. So, Bob, we're talking about predict and prevent in the various ways that the industry and technology providers can help make people's lives better and safer. And I know you as the CEO of Whisker Labs have have a really good, interesting, I think fascinating sort of take on that and product that you've developed um, to help to predict and prevent um, house fires. So, Bob, could you just give us a little bit of background on Ting, how it works, how it was developed, um, and sort of the rationale and, and, and behind it? Yeah, so, you know, the, the startup of Ting came about, you know, unfortunately through a, an event that occurred with my sister-in-law's house. Uh, so her house experienced a, uh, an electrical fire several years ago. And it was a terrible fire. They lost literally everything in the house. They lost a pet. They dealt with the aftermath of that for well over a year, you know, outside of their home. I didn't know much about electrical fires at the time, but I am an engineer. I'm a data guy, a technologist, and, and we've uh, produced some pretty cool products over, over the years. I challenged our engineers to say, you know, why can't we take some of the expertise that we've had and produce a product that would help prevent electrical fires? And we learned about them and set out to try to do this. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, it it turned out to be much harder than we thought. There was about a two-year period that it 
looked like we were on the wrong side of the impossible line. <laughs> we just couldn't, you know, we, we couldn't find the signal in the noise to detect it. It's, it's, you know, it's loose connections and damaged wires that arc, little tiny sparks and arcs. You know, they can be inside of your wall. It took a couple of years before we came up with the data science and the signal processing to be able to detect those tiny signals. Ultimately ended up with a, you know, a, a very simple product, right? It's just plug, a smart plug, and we call it Ting, and you plug it in, you connect it to Wi-Fi, and it monitors your old house, and, and you know, we can prevent 75 to 80% of electrical fires today. That's amazing. You think about all the pain and losses and, you know, all the suffering that people have as a result of a house fire, uh, loss of life, loss of pets in, in your sister's case. Just so I understand, this develops over time generally. Is that correct? Like, in other words, there's small micro fractures and, and variations that the device says, hey, listen, stuff's starting to happen and, and maybe, you know, you're headed down a path of some risk. Is that kind of accurate? Yeah, it is. And that's why predict and prevent is possible here. Uh, electrical fire hazards typically develop literally over weeks, months, and it can even be years. I mean, so it, you know, your house could be 10 years old and, and 10 years ago, an electrician was hammering a staple into the stud to hold a wire and he hit it too tight and it crimped the wire 10 years ago. And over the course of those years, you know, the, the insulation deteriorates and you start to have these little tiny micro arcs that develop. And once, once you have a hazard like this, it can't fix itself. So it only gets worse. Same thing, you take an outlet that's got a loose connection. So these things develop over very long periods of time, typically. And we detect it very early. So we, we detect the arcing, the problem connection. And then, you know, we're able to develop a pattern. Our data science allows us to know that it's an outlet versus the panel versus a heating pad versus a laptop power supply. It's amazing what the data is today. We actually provide a service to the customers of our insurance partners. So, you know, if you have Ting in your home and we detect a problem, we actually cover the cost of an electrician also. So if we need to send an electrician to come in and, you know, find the outlet in the wall that has the problem and fix it, that is actually all part of the service that we provide to the homeowner to make sure that we mitigate and prevent the fire. That's very fascinating to me that you can be that specific. Through an entire house, you can get actually to the plug, the wall outlet, where that might have happened. That's, that's fascinating to me. Yeah, and, and that's developed. I mean, the, the thing that's really cool about IoT and data science these days, I mean, you're hearing about it with ChatGBT and, and the amazing things that machine learning can do. And it's a very similar thing for us. I mean, the kind of data we get, the system learns very, very fast. You know, so, you know, the first time we found a problem with an outlet and verified that, you know, it was a problem with the outlet and we got the picture that, you know, there was the charred outlet, uh, we have high resolution data. Then the machine can be trained to look for that specific signal in the future. And it turns out that a lot of the hazards that develop in homes have unique signatures associated with them. So we can actually now predict that you have a problem in different parts or different devices and appliances in your home. That must be just personally enormously satisfying because it sounds to me like it's a business with a purpose. It sounds like you're saving people's lives. 
Is that the way you look at that, Bob? Or we totally do. I, I got to tell you, Pete. I mean, our our team is fantastic, and and we take it. You know, our responsibility is to protect the customer, their family, and their home. It is every day. There's nearly ten families that we save, and every one of them, the you know, the quote from the homeowner that you just potentially saved my family and home from a devastating fire. It is hugely rewarding. There would have been fatalities and. Ting homes statistically as well, and there hasn't been, you know, but unfortunately, you know, we can't prevent 100% either. So, you know, it's a, you know, every once in a while we hear about an electrical fire in a Ting home, and that's, I hate those days. There's not many. It's only 20% statistically of kind of what should happen, but, you know, we're very passionate and we hate to hear that. We turn those opportunities into learning opportunities too, right? If we didn't prevent something, we, dig into the data, we do the forensic analysis, we look at it, you know, can we train our models and our systems and the machines to detect this, to prevent it in the future? That's why generally over time, we're able to predict and prevent uh, even more fires. Because it's a learning system, right? It's a learning system. That's the beauty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a constantly learning system. That's fascinating as well. So the system learns over time, it gets new data, creates new relationships, understands new potential issues. And then you, and then I imagine, please correct me if I'm wrong, everybody who has a ting gets the benefit of that instantaneously. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, again, the beauty of IoT and networks of sensors is that, you know, when we, you know, every month say, you know, we push out new updates to our sensors and, and then our cloud uh, machine learning is constantly updating. You know, we hear about predict and prevent and what can it do? And it's, it's in saving insurance companies money. Sure it is, but it's also saving people's lives. Maybe frankly, more importantly, but I'd, I'd just like to explore for a minute, the business of this, right? Because it seems like you have data. I'm, do you have other uses for that data or other ways that, that you can utilize that? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the, the service that we provide our insurance partners, I mean, the business case, I think, is pretty straightforward, and there's a number of components to it, right? I mean, as with any kind of uh, claim, I mean, the insurance companies know that they're, you know, the electrical fires, there's a certain frequency, you know, how often they typically happen in, in their book of business, and then there's a severity, right? I mean, when you do have one of those fires, what is the average loss? And as I learned at your uh, conference uh, in New York, you all well know that the cost of the claims is skyrocketing, right? So when you do have a fire in a customer's home, the cost of that today is substantially higher than it was a year or two or three ago because of inflation and the supply chain issues and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, so preventing it becomes even more important, right, economically. So if you just look at the frequency of the loss, the severity of the loss, and then if we can prevent 80% of those, then you can determine on a, you know, per customer basis, how much are we saving? And it, it turns out that we can provide Ting service to a customer and it will more than be made up by the savings from the loss, you know, prevented losses. Uh, so that's obviously the number one thing from a business model perspective is just prevent the losses. And that's been hard to document historically with, you know, some of the efforts that have been done with IoT. But here we have the data. You know, then, you know, beyond the loss prevention, which is the lead, always the lead, take care of the customer, right? Make it better for everybody. You know, then the customers love it. You know, the quotes that we get every day from customers are incredible. And, you know, they become very, it's a different relationship that the insurance carrier has with the family when, you know, they're not just 
paying the claim after some devastating event. They're actually helping prevent the event. The customer is very loyal. So we see increases in retention. You know, agents that are, you know, obviously selling new policies to customers, you know, when they can tell a prospective customer that, hey, not only are we going to prevent you if there is a problem and protect you and, and, and take care of you if there is a problem, we're going to help prevent the loss. We invest in technology to help prevent the loss. So there's a number of different economic benefits to the carrier. And that's all part of what we do, you know, with our partners and on the insurance side is share the data, work together, focus on prevention, monitor the data, and, and demonstrate that it's working for everybody involved. Yeah, it's an interesting analogy, if I might, just for a second. I knew a friend of mine who had a limo business, and he advertised himself as a chief safety officer. And instead, you know, most people would say, well, I'm going to get you from point A to point B. Well, he got you from point A to point B, but he was very safe, and he got me home safely. When he started doing that, it's now about caring. And sure, it's a service, but it's, you know, it's beyond that. And his retention in his business went way up. And it sounds like that's an opportunity for insurance companies, from what I hear you say, Bob, is to go, look, we're helping you and we're saving you before bad things happen. We'll take care of you if bad things happen. But that seems like a real value add that insurance companies can use in a predict and prevents sort of way. Yeah, 100%. But I think, look, if you look back over IoT, you know, all the different devices over the last 10, 15 years, I think one of the things that, that has been demonstrated, and the security companies know this, right? The Simply Safe, the ADTs, and, and, you know, what customers care about and what resonates, what compels them to take action is safety. There's a lot of different things that can save you energy, they can make it convenient, and, and a lot of those things are great too, right? Nothing against all that. That's good. But when it comes to safety, people really do care. They don't want, you know, their families to be unsafe. So if you're taking steps, you know, to protect them, that really does resonate with the customer. And that's, you know, that's obviously important. And, and in the long run, if you just take a, you know, a look strategically, if you can establish that kind of relationship, to your point about the chief safety officer on the limo business, I mean, if, if that's the relationship that you have, is that you're working on their behalf to protect them, it's a great relationship to have. Certainly is, and it sounds like you're well-placed to help insurance companies certainly do that. Bob, just one other question. Um, I'm interested in your, you know, we're doing a lot on predict and prevent. You're ahead of the game, and certainly with the work you've done with various uh, insurance companies, you're making it real. I applaud you for, for being, you know, have the vision to do that. But if you could just take a step back and can, can you just talk about predict and prevent maybe more holistically and where you think that insurance companies can go with that and, and the value add that that can happen and from your perspective as somebody who's doing it successfully? Yeah. Uh, you know, look, predict and prevent, I believe, is, is the future. And, and that applies not just to in electrical fire hazards, which is where we focus, but it's fire and water and theft, right? All the perils that, that impact customers of insurance companies. Uh, technology and data can be applied uh, to help predict and prevent losses in those regards. So, I mean, I think, you know, I, everybody should be looking at it across all categories of loss. First and foremost, I think it's got to be a, a 
decision and a strategy that is adopted at the highest levels of the organizations in the insurance companies. Um, you know, obviously, they all the uh, carriers are super busy. They got a lot going on, a lot of challenges to deal with. You know, so I think to be successful, it's got to be something where leadership in the company says, you know what, we do want to transform the relationship with the customer. We want to invest for, you know, on behalf of our customers for their safety. And we think that's going to be good for our business, good for our customers. So you got to start that it's going to be something because it's not something you can just uh, deploy a piece of hardware, whether it's something for fire or water or theft, and it immediately pays for itself in the first month or the first year. It does not, you know, you know, even our product, right? If you had to pay to put Ting in a home and you were only measuring the economic benefits for one year, unfortunately, that the math just won't work. You have to take a strategic view that you're going to take care of your customers. So I think that applies to fire, water, theft, whatever you're going to do, right? You know, then I think the key is, you know, to make sure that whatever you're offering to the customer is simple and easy to understand. Some of the things that have failed historically, have been complicated for the customer. I mean, if you expect the customer to do a lot and have to work very hard, then it just doesn't work. I mean, homeowners are busy and families are busy. They got their own life challenges and everything else. So if you're going to make it difficult for them to benefit from the predict and prevent technology, then that will work, right? So, you know, so it's got to be simple then, you know, the, the system, the marketing. So we've learned a ton that I think applies, whether it's fire, water, or theft. I mean, what we've learned along our journey is incredible from, you know, how to market to customers, you know, how do you engage the customer, get them to say, yes, I want this technology. That's not straightforward either, because that's not what insurance companies sell, right? They don't, they don't sell these kind of things. So, but we've learned how they can talk to their customers in a way that is efficient and easy and the customers say, yes, I want that. You know, then, but the systems to, to partner with us, you know, when your cousin, you know, when, you know, an insurance company uh, customer says, I want Ting, we've got to have APIs and, and data handshakes back and forth so we can ship that product immediately. And then we have to know that it's installed, right? And, and we have to let the insurance company know that it's installed and it's online and it stays online. And all that stuff, all those things in the, and the telematics data that develops over time from the not only individual sensors, but the network of sensors is great. But those handshakes back and forth with the, you know, the, a lot of the value is in the data that the insurance company can get. But having those systems in place is not something that's generally in place today at insurance companies, right? So all of those things that we've learned, I think, apply no matter what carrier wants to do. And, 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 you know, again, that's why it's got to be a strategic decision too, right? Because it, it is new, but it is good for your customer. It, it is a great long-term business uh, opportunity, but you got to commit to it and work with partners that are going to be transparent with you, share data, and, and learn along the way. Well, that's great advice, Bob. I, I mean, it sounds like it's a community, right? A lot of moving pieces, but a lot of people. And, and, and what I hear you say is it needs to be executive level commitment. I, I think it does need to be executive level commitment because, you know, look, I mean, when we work with a carrier, you know, it, we, we, you know at the beginning, we work with marketing. Then we work with the operations team. We work, we work with the data scientists. You know, we work with the, you know, the actuaries and we share all this data back and forth. 
to demonstrate the economics of what's going on, but obviously, first and foremost, demonstrate that the customers love it and they, they appreciate the insurance company and share that data back and forth. But, it, but there's a bunch of different departments and, and parts of the organization that will be touched, even subrogation. So we're dealing with, you know, we work with subrogation because our data actually supports the fact that some of these losses, you know, should not be actually be paid for by the carrier because it was somebody else's fault. <laughs> um, so, you know, it touches a lot. Uh, but we've learned a lot over the over the years, and and hopefully we can contribute to the success of predict and prevent, not only for what we do, but you know, water theft, everything. Bob, thank you so much. I appreciate your time today, and thank you for your efforts. You know, I think it saving people's lives every day is an awesome thing. So appreciate it very much, and um, I think I appreciate your time today. Yeah, Pete, thank you very much, and obviously the institutes and and what you all are doing, supporting all of your customers, and. Uh, and and having the vision to to lead you know the the whole industry to you know to the future of predict and prevent is is super and uh, you know we wish you all the success. Bob's story is fascinating, and I was astounded to learn that Ting can prevent seventy five to eighty percent of electrical fires. The fact that the device is saving about ten families a day is truly inspiring. These results demonstrate how real time sensors combined with machine learning are making Predict and Prevent a reality today. And Whisker Lab's approach to partnering with the insurance industry provides a roadmap for other technologies to be adopted and deployed at scale. Next, let's hear from Dave Tobias, the co-founder and COO of BetterView. Dave brings a different approach and perspective to how technology can enable Predict and Prevent. And he shares important insights on what it takes for technology companies to successfully partner with insurers. Dave, great to meet you, and, and thanks for coming to talk to us today. Thanks for having us, Pete. Uh, excited to, to have this discussion. If we could just start out with just a brief overview of your background, how you got to be a co-founder of BetterView. Yeah, no, happy, happy, happy to do that. So my journey is kind of a unique one. I, I really grew up in the insurance industry. So my father started an insurance inspection company before I was born. So boots on the ground, lost control work, uh, commercial and residential. I really grew up around that, traveling with him, going on inspections, uh, you know, into businesses, into high value homes and, you know, got to travel uh, across California and, and sort of the Western United States with him doing that. And I went off to college, got the itch to, to kind of be an entrepreneur and, and be involved with business in general and had the opportunity to eventually take over that business, right? I started selling for that business and literally going door to door, like going, showing up at insurance companies, cold calling back when you could still, still do that. You know, the business started to grow quite a bit. We uh, ultimately had about 500 inspectors across the country. And in that business, I had insurance companies telling us they needed more and better roof data. So, you know, we tried to solve that within the inspection company. Uh, by deploying roof poles, which are essentially painter's poles with camera camera attachments on top. We tried to get inspectors to go up on roofs. None of these things really worked. And that was sort of the the the, the impetus to 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 starting starting better view. But uh ultimately, you know, the the business was great and uh had the opportunity to sell it a few years ago and served some great background for me and and learning the ins and outs of insurance. That's pretty unique. I mean so you started out in this industry or sort of attached to this industry from the get-go. 
So you have a long experience then with uh, the types of issues that BetterView and that you are trying to solve. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty neat. What exact problem are you trying to solve? I think every business has to solve a problem, right? And I'm just curious, when you think of your business, what problem are you trying to solve? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a great fundamental question. I think our product is helping insurance carriers underwrite risk better. And that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, right? You know, pricing it effectively, servicing their customers, you know, that customer experience element of it, and predicting and preventing loss, which is core, you know, it's core belief of our company that we can actually affect change with that predict and prevent versus just repair and replace. And so for us, ultimately, how we're doing that is it really started originally with using aerial imagery. So manned aerial being one of the cores um, and using computer vision and machine learning to extract data from that, to really get to the condition of a roof and a property and do it near instantaneously. And now, you know, basically instantly. We're trying to fill this void around conditional information around a property, as well as just data in general, that's been historically hard to get. Maybe the only way to get it would be to send an inspector, you know, out, send boots on the ground. Uh, Or a lot of companies were just relying on what was coming in the application, right? And that data is flawed for a variety of reasons, whether it be from the insurer to the agent, um, because some of the data points that are asked on these application forms are, are hard to get, right? So, you know, it's it's fundamentally trying to fill in the information gap with up-to-date, cost-effective information about the condition and elements of a property, but doing that at massive scale and doing that at the beginning of the, the, the insurance process. So all the way through to quote, rather than post buy, we're going to send out an inspector and so on and so on. What if you could bring that information all the way to the front of the process and know the condition, price it effectively, know what needs to be predicted and hopefully prevent it? At second one of that policy, not, you know, in the worst case scenario when the, the the loss comes in, when the claim comes in. So you sell to insurance companies, you produce the, like customers with their policyholders would see the product through an insurance company. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So insurance carriers are our main, you know, go to market. You were using drones originally. Is that correct? So when we first started the business, drone technology was really taking off, no no pun intended. You know, we, we, we were seeing how we could leverage that to get this roof data because of the other things that I mentioned, like we tried to get inspectors to go up on the roof. We tried, uh, you know, painter's poles with cameras on it. None of those things really worked. And so, you know, drones were really just autonomous flight and the technology was really advancing. And so our original idea was we're going to use drones to go capture this imagery we developed software on uh, machine learning to take the drone imagery and 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 turn it into reports that insurance carriers can use. The thing there that was really interesting, a lot of learnings, of course, from 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 that piece of our business's history, but the drones really solved the problem. They could get you very accurate, very detailed analyses of, of, of roofs and properties, but you were still sending a person to the site with the drone. It was costly. It was slow. It didn't. It, it wasn't a quantum leap, really, in in the experience, other than it was a new data point that people didn't have before. So drones, you know, we did tens of thousands of drone inspections for carriers, um, and you know, we, we we saw that it, you know, could be a viable business, but it wasn't going to scale in the way that our customers really wanted. So um, that's when we were able to use some of the technology we'd already created 
on pre on pre captured imagery, and you know we sold off um, the drone piece of the business to to DroneBase that was a partner of ours, so that we could give our customers a place to still be at those drone inspections that they they wanted. You know, it was a really good learning for our company and all the people within our companies. It's uh, it's I like to say you know we we fell in love with the problem, not the solution. So just because we had drones and we created tech, right? I think. We don't actually really care what the technology we apply to it to solve the problem. But if you really deeply understand the underwriting workflow, the problem of the the information asymmetry that was out there, whether it's satellite, whether it's drone imagery, whether it's manned aerial, who cares, right? It's can we solve the problem? Can we do it in a scalable, cost-effective way that 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 fits into the workflows that already exist? And so yeah, you know, that was our, our, our start in drones. That's, uh, you know, really gone well beyond drones now uh, today. What you're saying is it's not a solution kind of running around looking for a problem, right? You're actually solving a problem. Um, and that's kind of, kind of the focus, right? It's not, you're not enamored with the technology in terms of, it, that's what I hear you say, Dave. Yeah, the, the technology is a means to an end, right? And I think um, you see this sometimes where people come with some new technology and they think, you know, they can come into insurance and totally upend it. It's not to say they can't, right? Um, you know, I think people come into n- industries they don't know all the time and they try to to make an impact there and it's possible, but you have to remember we're in a regulated industry that has a lot of processes that have existed for many years. A lot of our team comes from insurance and we think that's really important. We're one of the only ones, I think maybe the only one in the space that has anybody on the founding team from insurance. It's kind of striking uh, when you when you look at that, right? So, understanding the problem is a, in really have lived. I mean, I literally lived the problem for for many years. Uh, you know, we think that's important and gives us an advantage. Nothing like experience, right? So, tell me, how does a typical engagement look? So, or let's say I have a home and I want to take advantage of this. How how does that look like? How do you get data, and how does how does your and high level the process work so that you can predict and prevent yeah so you know the carriers uh, you know coming to us and there's there, there are many times saying either we have a, a condition problem so like we know we have a lot of uh, roof claims or we know that we we don't have uh, a full picture of the property or in this case like a home right we don't you know we we know that we have properties on our books that have pools that we don't know about we know that they have um you know roofs that are worse than we think they are and we write and Florida and we know this is an issue, right? So, you know, typically, you know, it's approached from that side. They're coming to us, you know, and they're, 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 if it's during the quoting process, we're getting an address, we're instantly providing data back saying this is the condition of the roof. Here's what's on the property. We have proprietary scores that roll up this information because we dissect it. We use this manned aerial imagery. We're going to pull the most recent image. We're going to process it with the computer vision. It's going to tell us if there's staining, ponding, missing shingles all these roll up into scores. And over the last six months, we've also been filing rates in the various states using our scores. So we have a wildfire score, a hurricane score, and many others coming now. And we've been filed across you know, 10, 11 states so far. Um, so people can use this all the way at the, the, the forefront of the quoting process. And so we're going to run that. We're going to extract this information. We're going to be able to give you conditional things like the condition of the roof, the score of the roof. We're also going to be able to give you predictive scores. So 
What's the probability in a wild, if it's in a wildfire zone, this building's going to burn? What's the probability if it's in a hurricane zone that, that it's going to be impacted? And then we also have just elements, right? Is there solar panels? Is there swimming pools, right? Is there debris in the yard? So it's a combination of these conditional elements and, uh, you know, physical property elements that go into quoting, you know, and go into monitoring renewals as time goes on. That's really cool. So in other words, if I'm, if I'm a carrier's underwriter, I'm an underwriter at a carrier, I guess I should say, then this would become immediately available to me. I would look at some address and, and if, if, if I'm a client of yours, would that be part of my quoting mechanisms, quoting screens or built in? Yeah. So it just depends on where they, they implement us, but many carriers are using us in the quote. They're using us post bind and many are using us in their renewal process. So when a carrier comes to work with us, they may, many times they're putting their whole PIF, all their policies in force into our system and we're monitoring them for change, right? So that they can be a little more proactive. And sometimes they'll just monitor for change right before renewal, decide what they want to do with it. So it really depends on where we're getting plugged into the process, but we're also integrated. Um, we have out-of-the-box integrations with Guidewire and Duck Creek and OneShield so that we can make it easy. I mean, I think as easy as we can, again, understanding that there's many processes within insurance that already exist. How can we fit into those processes? Um, you know, we think that's important versus trying to just upend the process altogether. Yeah, I think your point is very well taken, right? The idea that, as you said earlier, it's a heavily regulated industry. And, um, you know, if you try to go in, I'm, I'm hearing you say, if you try to go in and change a workflow, that's a big deal uh, at an insurance company. So if you can integrate. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. And, you know, I think um, there's opportunities to do that sometimes and change a whole workflow and those should not be ignored. But we're trying to take something you know, in predict and prevent, right? Which is effectively what those, you know, in my background, those loss control inspections did. We would go out to a property, we would look for problems, we would issue recommendations that would then get, you know, shared with the the agents and the insureds. We're trying to do pieces of that, but digitally, you know, that process is slow and expensive. So, so the fact that we can really democratize predict and prevent using technology, I think is really impactful. And to get people to to start really viewing everything through this predict and prevent lens, you have to make it as easy as possible. So coming in and trying to say you need to change your whole workflow, you know, ABC insurance, that's a that's a more problematic, um, hard discussion to have versus let me tell you how we can augment the processes you already have, make them more efficient while also reducing, you know, improving your loss ratio, your, your expense ratio, and your customer experience. I, you know, we talk a lot about predict and prevent, but there's a third P, which is price, right? And how can you help price effectively to make sure people can get insurance, but it's priced appropriately to cover that risk? You have a lot of experience and very successful experience um, working with insurance companies, as, as you say. So what have you found workflow, I hear you saying integrate into a workflow, but what other success factors are there for an organization like yours when trying to work with a carrier? Like it's particularly technology-based. What, what have you learned? It's a great question. I think there's so many learnings across, across the way. I think finding initiatives that already exist within the carrier is important. 
and seeing how you can plug into those initiatives, you know, trying to create a, a net new initiative can be difficult. I think that looking for the forward thinking champions within a company is, is, is really important. Few people that understand, you know, the world is changing in various ways, whether it be economic or climate, and you need to react faster, right? You know, these things are happening today. You know, I'm in California. What we've experienced over the last few months weather-wise is unlike what I've ever seen. And I grew up here, right? So places that didn't have roof, California was never seen as a high roof risk place. Well, I could tell you we had 60 mile an hour winds in Burlingame where I grew, you know, I grew up right around there and I live there now. Uh, that's unheard of, you know, that's, that's not normal. Right. So now pretty much every region is a cat region in the country. It's just a question of which cat you might be affected you know, by and many regions are now affected by two to three different types of catastrophe, you know, um, possibilities. So I think really finding folks within a carrier who are seeing these changes and are trying to react and trying to get ahead of them is important. And, uh, you know, I think those folks exist at every carrier, right? Every, every, everyone can be hard to find them. It can be hard to find ones that, that actually uh, want to make some of these changes. But I think, I think there's more today, there's more understanding change has to happen versus before maybe even six, eight years ago, it was more of, well, let's wait and see how the market develops. I think your your vision, certainly for how to work with carriers, is, is pretty compelling um, and pretty spot on. Are there any other barriers that you see to adoption of this technology other than kind of some of those that you just mentioned? You know, the reason that, that you are very attractive to us and that we admire what you're doing is the predict and prevent, right? Because the idea that we can avoid losses or mitigate them in the first place so that folks don't have to go through the pain of a claim. And I'm curious, do you see uh, organizations, culture, like insurance carriers accept that? Or is they, um, from a cultural point of view, is, have you run into any, any resistance there? Yeah, a little bit. I think that's changing, though. I, you know, I think there is some element of out of sight, out of mind, right? Like, well, if we don't know about the problem, then we don't have to react to it. But I think given what's happening, you know, with climate, especially, it's hard to ignore, right, at this point. And I think that there's also this understanding from from the carriers that they have to, they have to interact with their insureds in different ways and more than they did historically. So we're all used to, you know, getting Uber Eats delivered to our house now and we're, you know, having constant in engagement from our brands, you know, sometimes getting instant gratification, right? Whereas in insurance, a lot of the touch point still happens once a year when you get your bill, right? And so I think where I see so much opportunity and I think there's, there's starting to be a mind, mind, you know, shift in the space is like carriers, you know, we have, you know, 70 plus customers, right? And my carrier is a customer and they buy data from Betterview, but they don't share it to me yet. You know, as a carrier, why, why not uh, use this data to say, you know, here's, here's the health of, of your building. We're just giving this to you as a value add, right? Like use these positive touch points and the benefit of, you know, helping predict and prevent, right? You know, it's if I don't go up on my roof you know, having that data for folks that aren't doing these things, not because they're bad insureds. It's just, these are hard. It's dangerous to go on your roof as an example. Um, why not use this as a, as a touch point to improve that customer experience, give more value into the chain 
and ultimately help people be more proactive and take these preventative measures that, that they probably would do if they knew. I think that's starting to get embraced in the space because, uh, again, I think that there's a, there's a recognition that the old way of doing it is not going to be sustainable for too much longer. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more, Dave. I'm curious, you have 70 customers. If I was one of those 70 customers, just in general terms, Dave, what, what, would, what, what would I see? How would my business change if I adopted, you know, your, your approach? Like, how, what kind of results would I see? Yeah, so, I mean, we have, you know, one carrier that saw a 31% improvement in loss ratio after instituting BetterView, right? You know, that's an extreme example, but, uh, you know, we see a lot of that. We see loss ratio, expense ratio improvements. We see optimization of inspection workflows, which obviously I know really well. Um, but, you know, put every people run things through us to decide where did they need boots on the ground, right? Where, where do they, you know, where does the place look great? I don't need to send anybody versus the one that has a hole in the roof that I'm not going to quote or renew. Anyway, why am I going to send that additional expense? So you see these expense improvements, you see these um, these uh, loss ratio improvements. But I think one of the ones we're we're most proud of is the customer experience improvements, right? Because we do see some very you know progressive carriers they're sharing the better view outputs with their agents in a lot of cases to say we're making this policy change. Here's why. Or we're going to make this change unless you do X. And what we found in, in, in we have a couple of carriers who've talked about this publicly, what, what they have found uh, has, has been that the conversation with the agent is much better, right? Instead of just saying we're, we're changing the premium on this policy, they're, they're giving them the why, right? Or we're canceling this policy. Here's why there's a, there's a hole in the roof, right? Um, and so, you know, I think, I think there's just a lot of, uh, benefit there. And so, you know, on day one though, if you were a carrier working with better you would know where all your high risk properties are, your medium risk, your low risk, but you know, instantly you would know where, where you have some potential problems, where you might have, um, some exposure issues in a given, you know, geographic area. And then you'd be able to monitor those over time, um, and, and look at the risks, uh, you know, in addition to your new business, of course, being able to track what's coming in and see what, seeing what's good and what's bad. So it seems like predict and prevent, right, can, can help your underwriting, make you underwrite more accurately, lower your losses, right, and give your agents uh, some, some of the why so that they can talk to, to customers. And it sounds like there's some opportunities, as you're saying, um, for companies to share data like BetterView's data with them so that it's, it's maybe more of a risk consultant perhaps kind of relationship rather than I'm going to collect a premium and indemnify you. Yeah, and I think given the change, right, uh, whether, again, whether it be economic, climate, or otherwise, given the change, you have to be more of a consultant these days. Just providing the coverage, which is, which is, which is the base level that like insurance is must do and needs to do and always, you know, uh, protect people and, and spread that risk, right? That's the important tenant of insurance, you know, now and into the future in my belief, but you have to be more of a consultant. You have to help predict and prevent because you look at what's happening with reinsurance rates right now, you know, this is not sustainable, the current state of things. And so, um, I think you have to look for ways to work with insureds, work with agents to be more proactive, to, to really, you know, help solve the problem. 
which is good business too. That just happens to be good business to help your expense ratio and so on and so on. But, um, you know, most people do not want to have this catastrophic thing happen, say like a, a you know, a roof collapse or a, a wildfire destroy their home. I mean, these are the, yes, you might get a new home, but these are, you know, very challenging things. And the statistics show that, you know, it takes many, many years for people to recover financially and mentally from some of these disasters. The, the toll of doing some of these things and the claim, the loss, it goes on for many, many years for an individual and for a community. For us, we think it's, it's partially our job to help prevent the preventable losses to the extent we can. Not everything can be prevented, but a lot, a lot can with some simple actions. So, Dave, you, you've been in this for your whole career, right? Since you worked for your dad's company and then started your own company, Betterview. And, and you mentioned some of the things you see opportunities for carriers going forward. But I'm curious also if you see any new technologies or if just take out your crystal ball for a minute and say, where do you think this is going? Or, or you know, if we think down the road, what, what other things are coming kind of online or near online that, that you're excited about? We do a lot of work with, you know, machine learning, you know, AI to turn unstructured data, you know, like imagery into structured data that can be action upon. But I, I do think there'll be more and more opportunity to combine some of that with uh, the IoT sensors, some some of which that are already out there, some of which are still coming, um, and, and really put all those things together. I think that's kind of what's lacking. There's a lot of point solutions around IoT, but there is no one sort of epicenter to, to pull that together. And I remember talking to one carrier that we work with that uh, with the Texas ice storms, you know, they had the IOT sensors out there. They told the insureds this weather was coming, you know, set, you know, set your faucets to drip and so on and so on. And they could watch the data. Basically, nobody took the advice. Right. So I think there's still a lot of opportunity there. And uh, I think ultimately those things will start to come together and, and drive to some actual action and change. I mean, I think I'm hopeful you know, regulators kind of, you know, start to, uh, you know, look at some of these new technologies, not as, you know, something that could be bad, but something that's needed to help react, you know, faster in the space. And, you know, I think it, it, there's there's more interesting technologies around like um, SAR, or synthetic aperture radar. Uh, we've partnered with some folks on, on that to, to monitor floods, flood depths and wildfires, right? So I think there's more and more data available. The key is really how does that data become consumed? How does it become actionable so you can actually get it in the hands of the insured? And I think that's where AI comes in. I mean, obviously there's a lot of talk about GPT and, and some of these other transformative AI technologies. But for me, it's all about how do you put that to practical use and get it get it in the hands of the people that actually need it. And I think the technology over the next five, 10 years will really really drive towards that in a much more proactive nature. Well, Dave, thank you. Certainly when we think of predict and prevent, uh, you've been doing it for a long time and doing it very well um, and very successfully. The approach you've taken is, is certainly on the forefront and we're really, really grateful that you would take the time today to share some of your thoughts with us. So thank you. No, thanks. Thanks for, for having me and uh, letting us talk a little bit about what we do. I mean, I think, you know, predict and prevent is a, you know, something we as a company and the employees of Better View care deeply about. And I think the technology is here to actually help people do that. I think that's what we're so excited about. And, uh, you know, I think uh, there's just a lot of opportunity if we can prevent a few losses, a few of those catastrophes for those insureds, right? That's really important to us 
as a company and as people. And uh, I think it's our, our, our duty to use the technology to help actually, you know, affect that change. Great. Dave, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Betterview is another great example of how innovations in InsureTech are improving the industry and as a result, benefiting customers. After hearing stories from Bob and Dave today, it's becoming clearer than ever that it's essential we continue to drive innovation forward in insurance and risk management. We know it's not always easy to make large-scale changes in an industry that's as old and established as insurance. However, as Dave mentioned, the current state of affairs won't be sustainable long-term, so it's crucial that we act now. As we learned last episode, there's a real sense of urgency when it comes to enacting a predict-and-prevent approach. And innovative technology is a big piece of the puzzle that will help us all move forward. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Predict and Prevent. A big thank you to my guests, Bob Marshall and Dave Tobias. And of course, thank you for listening. See you next time.